Welcome to the Crossview Commons, a brand new podcast focusing on the ministries, ministry partners, and the people of Crossview Church. My name is Mark Lanting, and it's my pleasure to share with you what God is doing in and through Crossview Church in DeKalb, Illinois. Uh, today, I am honored to be here with Pastor Jeff Kennett. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Mark. How are you? I'm good. All right. It's fun to be here with you. It's great to be with you. Yeah. And a new uh, endeavor and uh, one of our early inaugural uh, podcast episodes. So I figured it makes sense to have you here. Hey, so. well, I have been on the radio, but never on a podcast. So this All is right. exciting for me. Well, it's kind of the direction of things, right? right. Podcasts are everywhere. And uh, it's one of the reasons why we're doing this at our church is because we know that uh, people are listening in different ways and uh, through different media and uh, figured we'd give it a go, right? So I shared with Nate in the episode that we recorded, I was listening to a podcast that I listened to regularly and uh, they had a guest on talking about leveraging digital technology to further the reach of your church. I was like, wow, that just clicked with me. It yeah. made sense. So it's good. let's pray that it does make sense <laughs> that this re- hey, is helpful. I, I will tell you this, Mark, we haven't said much to people and a few people have heard and they're like excited and like, when do we get to hear this? So All right. there's already a buzz. Well, very cool. Well, it's going to be out soon and uh, we'll uh, keep it rolling. So Jeff, uh, I know most people are going to know who you are and a bit of your story, uh, but let's just say, let's start with who you are and how long you've been at Crossview, a little bit of your background, family, whatever you want to say. Sure. Uh, I'm from Ohio. Uh, I, I went to school at Ohio State University, studied chemical engineering, um, and God changed my life there. Yeah. And that's a story in and of itself. But uh, still finished with my degree, but really began to wonder if God was real, using this word calling, kind of even understanding what does that mean, really feeling called to vocational ministry. Uh, did a year of missions work, loved it, but honestly loved my girlfriend more. <laughs> kind of felt permission from the Spirit of God to come home, and Kami and I got married and then set off on this journey to seminary, a firm calling to the local church, and I've been in a few different churches, had some good experiences, some harder experiences, but landed at Crossview. This is, well, six, a little over six years ago. I just started my seventh year here. Wow. Um, and, uh, and, and and love it, actually. I'm really grateful to be here. But. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we met pretty much as you were coming on board here at Crossview, and it wasn't long after that uh, that I was... Uh, joining the elder team uh, here at Crossview uh, early on in your ministry here. Well, and Mark, my initial experience of you was awesome because uh, because I remember you were teaching a Sunday school class Mm -hmm. that was creating a space for difficult conversations. And I'm new to this church and so excited that 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 kind of space is already happening because I still think uh, the church is a place where we can have hard conversations and love each other. Um, and I'm glad that Crossview has a little bit of experience in that. So Yeah, that was the Kingdom Ethics class. It started with me and another gentleman here at church. Yeah. And then I took it, uh, I, you know, a different level uh, along the way. Uh, I, I, 
I can say that even though we didn't always have consensus or agreement in those contexts, uh, I, I think people were helped in that uh, we were looking at how Jesus would, would would behave toward what the other, right? Yeah, yeah. How would Jesus behave toward uh, someone out of Islam, someone who's in the LGBTQ community, someone who's African-American, and what's our stance, right? So uh, I, I think we struck a right chord, uh, and I'm grateful for it. It was right at the time of what uh, challenging election season, yeah, right? And yeah. there was a lot stirring, but we were still able to have those conversations. Uh, we still were able to disagree well on some occasions, uh, yet... I feel like the residual effect was, I, I hope that it uh, helped maintain or build our unity to some degree. Yeah. Well, we've, the last few years have not been easy in that <laughs> sense anyway, and I think our church has navigated it relatively well. Yeah. So. so as part of the elder team, Jeff, you and I have been through some uh, fun things and through some challenging things. Uh, you know, uh, I never expected that part of that tenure would involve uh, going to video exclusively because of a worldwide pandemic. Uh, but uh, I, I remember early on, it was you, I think at your kitchen table with a laptop. <laughs> yeah, that was our, that was what we had at the time, right? Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I really never want to preach a sermon to my laptop by myself yeah. in my office ever again. <laughs> and, I, and I have to admit, I, al- I did not always pay the best attention yeah. doing church in the living room either. Yeah. However, we know that meets a significant need. And, you know, one of the things that we didn't expect to happen is that, well, we're streaming live every Sunday now. Yeah, and I know, yeah and I know there's people in our church family where that uh, just for health reasons or whatever, it just has opened the door for them to be more connected. So I'm glad that that's unfolded. For yeah, sure. I, I wouldn't have seen it coming otherwise. Uh, but as it turns out, every week we know we have a healthy number of people. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, experiencing the streaming worship, but also here face to face. It seems like uh, you know. I know we're not numbers oriented, but the vibe is kind of picking up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like. There are more people, yeah. uh, and uh, fellowship's just sweet. Uh, you can actually hear people singing again, and that's been a real joy. Yeah, and people love to be together. Even the pancake breakfast we did a little <laughs> bit ago. I mean, I feel like everybody stayed. Like yeah. it, I know not ever, but it felt like everybody stayed to have pancakes. I, I came twice. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. You know, uh, you mentioned pancake breakfast. Yeah, I mean. That was a fundraiser for our kids to go to summer camp, and an unbelievable generosity. Yeah. You know, for pancakes, uh, people were giving more than what a pancake meal would cost yeah. at a local restaurant. Joyfully giving, <laughs> joyfully. More, yeah. So it was fun fellowship. It was fun just sitting around talking to people, eating pancakes. Uh, then we had our game night a couple of weeks ago, uh, and that, I mean. How many people were here? I, I actually didn't make it, but I heard there were yeah. 70 to 80 people. Yeah, I was here for it and uh, was uh, ruling the rummy cube table. <laughs> it was really fun. But, uh, again, it just gave me an opportunity to get to know some people I didn't know already, didn't know them well anyway, right, and uh, just have a fun time with uh, members of our church. That's one of the sweet things about the season is, I mean, and I don't know how God did it, but he really did send new people to our church during the pandemic but they didn't have the same spaces to connect, right? Mm-hmm. And so now is that time, and I think people are just 
so excited to be together and meet new people. And, and I think there is a desire that we grow in terms of being a family. Yeah, and it, I think you're it, there's a vibe. It's a good vibe. Yeah. It's a good feeling. It is. I, I'm really. I said this to Nate too. I'm hoping for an awesome 2023. Yeah. Because I, again, I thought 2022 was going to be better, and it, <laughs> for a lot of reasons, was not yeah. awesome. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm just almost on pins and needles, hoping that things uh, stay, you know, propelling on the up and up. I don't yeah. know. Uh, maybe. Well, superstitious. <laughs> uh, one of the things I'm excited about uh, for you and for our church is the formed uh, ministry. And uh, I think you have better ways of saying what formed is, but I'll give it my best shot. I mean, I, I went through formed at least once, uh, enjoyed it a lot, uh, but it's really the discipleship arm of Crossview, uh, helping people become closer to Jesus uh, closer to one another, really, because sharing it formed. I don't want to alarm anyone, but it, it goes deep when it's going right. Uh, but it really is uh, in the Dallas Willard world, you know, spiritual formation kind of practices that we're learning when we're informed. Is that accurate? Yeah, uh, Willard is one of the threads. Um, formed is really, uh, you know, even when I'm introducing the first week to the class, uh, it's really just a collection of tools that I've picked up. I, I haven't invented any of it. I think we have a handed down faith and all the tools that yeah. I have have been handed down to me and I've handed it down. Uh, but they're the ones that have stuck that I actually use. I don't even know how many tools and resources I've learned that I've forgotten. <laughs> but the things that we do informed are the things that I literally still practice. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so Willard in his, and that actually, the Willard stuff really came from the church, the first free church I served in in Kansas City. Uh, the senior pastor there was heavily influenced by Dallas Willard, and they had a class called Razor's Edge ah. that is different than Formed, but it was my inspiration for Formed, uh, and certainly my understanding and inter interaction with Willard uh, came from that time at that church. But yeah, forms a collection of a variety of tools from a variety of places. Yeah. And it, and it is really a, an, and I think this is more important than I even realized when I started. It's, it's really reframing discipleship and helping people create spaces or bridges for the Spirit of God to take what's in our head and drive it into our heart so we live like it's real. Yeah, that's wonderful. And uh, and uh, meaningful. Uh, I know people who are in it right now. My wife is one of them. <laughs> uh, but I'm hearing really good things. A uh, couple of guys I know who have similar struggles are at the same table. And and uh, it just seems like that was meant to be. Right? Oh, yeah. Uh, it never fails. I look around and I'm, I'm like, I could not have put people at better tables if I tried. <laughs> like, it just works out. And community happens there's people who sit together on sunday mornings because they were at the same table it formed in the past and I, I love it i love it yeah that's great i know we're not numbers oriented i keep saying that but i mean you have at least 30 people in there on a yeah 30 basis. to 35 <laughs> it's fantastic. and and i told them last week uh I, i'm like you guys don't realize like you are in a space with 30 other people who are as excited or more excited about jesus than you are right now and that doesn't happen all the time. You're in a space where you guys are interacting and talking and sharing your story. 
and your own passions for Jesus and just encouraging one another. And it's honestly, I when I give them like a half hour of points to share their tables and I love just pacing back and forth mm-hmm. and just listening to the connection. And, and you, you mentioned that sometimes sharing can get deeper and I'm kind of surprised we're two weeks in and I think people are already sharing things that um, I think are really important to them. So Yeah, that's fantastic. You mentioned uh, there being several threads uh, in uh, forms. I remember some of the different things you covered. Uh, I'm, uh, one of them, I think the, maybe the most important thread uh, is the grace and truth uh, matrix. Yeah. Uh, and I think the grace and truth notion, I know that's not unique to Crossview. A lot of people talk about balancing grace and truth, but it's really become a part of our church's DNA mm-hmm. uh, because I could talk to somebody and say, tell me about grace and truth in your life. And they'll know exactly what I'm talking about and what I'm getting at. Or how did you find grace and truth in a given situation? Can you help us understand a little bit about how you landed on that, and, you know, the, the genesis of that, and just how you see that playing out in our church? Yeah, well, that's kind of fun for me because I, I learned that tool from some guys in Gravity Leadership. At the previous church I was at, they did a couple trainings, and I did a, a discipleship cohort with them. I actually just talked to one of them on the phone today, which was kind of fun. Uh, so I learned that tool from them, but it really stuck with me. One, um, because it came in a time in my marriage when I think Kami and I were ready to grow, mm-hmm. but we... L- Honestly, we lacked a little bit of self-awareness and we lacked the language to communicate with each other. And that tool gave us language that I think propelled our marriage to deeper places, which again, like I said, I only really use tools that have been meaningful to me, but it became so personal to me out of that. So I had the experience of really benefiting from the tool The flip side is, um, going back to one of my seminary classes, uh, I've really been drawn to the framework God gives us in the Bible of of covenant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and actually, this is where it gets fun, because the guys at Gravity Leadership teach it and teach it well, but I actually root it in a different theological framework than they do and how I teach it, just from how I understand it. So it's, I don't know, I've kind of made it my own in a lot of ways, but... But I do think you're right, Mark. It's given our church shared language to communicate. And and sometimes that means you don't have to spend two weeks together to get to that place because you have the shared language because you've gone through a similar experience. It's given me an evaluative tool for my everyday life, uh, what exchanges. And, uh, you know, it's not that I'm being judgy of myself but maybe I am a little bit was did I did I exude enough grace when I was handling something that needed some serious truth right and so I I won't call it second guessing but it gives me a little pause to slow down to weigh out and to evaluate right uh did I turn a blind eye and just say you know what that's just grace but in that process, let something go that needed to be addressed, yeah. right? Or did I come on way too strong with my kid and just yell at them, basically use shame and anger, <laughs> right? Uh, and uh, not provide any element of grace. And I've done that a lot, right? Uh, 
but uh, I'll tell you something. Uh, it's prompted me to go back to my kids or people that report to me and say, hey, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't kind in that instance, and I need, I need to be better, right? That's a, yeah, that's beautiful. And that's really, it stems from that teaching that's been so helpful. Yeah, thanks. And the, and the other reason I love that tool is because, again, as you're, like, identifying where you're at in the self-awareness, there's always this awareness that there is this Jesus space yeah. where grace and truth come together. Mm. And to me, it's just always an invitation because that's where I want to be. Yeah. And in a discipleship pathway, that's the whole point, right? We're trying to grow into Christ's likeness, but we need to have an awareness that there is always this space of love that Jesus is inviting us into. Yeah. For me, it, it always goes back to Jesus and the woman at the well. Yeah. Uh, there's the perfect representation of grace and truth. So, uh, yeah, I know who you are. I know what you've done. I love you. Go bring your family and friends and let's talk some more, yeah. right? That's Jesus' disposition to somebody who confesses a, a great deal of sin, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that brings me back there. Another element that I wanted to, well, two more elements, I think. Uh, all of it was meaningful at form, but I remember uh, Kairos moments. Yep. Uh, and that one took me a while. It didn't click with me instantaneously. It took me a while. I actually have the Kairos moment. Uh, diagram up on my uh, bulletin board at home hmm. because I need to but it's kind of what I just it, it has to do with what I just mentioned about stopping reflecting thinking right can you share with us a little bit about Kairos moments and maybe give us an example yeah yeah that's another tool from gravity leadership those are the two things that I use from there though it's not limited uh, I don't there's some books out there there's I mean that's not a unique concept but Kairos moments are really um, you know, if you talk about the spiritual disciplines, the, go back to Dallas Willard, the spiritual disciplines are a bridge between the head and the heart to allow the spirit to do what we can't do on our own, but we're doing things that Jesus did. Kairos moments are another bridge, I think, but it's more um, paying attention to the Holy Spirit's work in, in your life, that your life really is your, like you don't need form. You don't need to be in some kind of church curriculum because the Spirit of God is committed to your transformation. And if we pause, which we are really bad at in our culture, but if we pause and reflect and listen, God has some good news and he wants to help us hear good news. Yeah. And that's really the point is to be able to name the bad news that we're believing mm. and to to respond to the good news that is always there with Jesus. Yeah, so. that's really good. So, I mean, an example of Kairos moment. Um, I mean, usually for me, Kairos moments in my life are arguments with people. They're just usually negative moments where I am clearly not operating out of my identity in Christ, but I don't know it in the moment. <laughs> it's a total blind spot. Um, but I usually... I usually know that the Spirit of God is inviting me someplace better when I'm experiencing fear or my, my big weakness is shame. Yeah. There's a whole story behind that too. But, um, but whenever I'm experiencing shame, uh, as a parent, as a pastor, as a husband, as a friend, as a son, as a brother, you know, whatever, uh, usually those are the moments that I need to pause because I know... I mean, Jesus is trying to love me into his presence, and um, he doesn't really leverage shame 
Mm. I mean, we could talk about a variety of different kinds of shames. I, I do think there's a biblical a biblical use of shame that it's almost like a contriteness. Yeah, I mean, there, there. I do think um, there, there is that. Um, but for me, shame is the voice of the enemy saying, "I'm not good enough." That's what I mean by shame I here. Yeah. And and Jesus never comes to me, and in the voice of the enemy tells me, "I'm not good enough." And it's usually when I'm feeling that that I pause. And I reflect and try to pay attention to what's going on and the narrative that I'm believing and um, and the bad news that I'm believing. And then scripture floods my mind, right? I got a lot of Bible memorized. <laughs> and there's a lot of truth in there about who I am in Christ. And it can change the trajectory of my life, certainly change my relationships, my posture. And I do what you do. I, I have to return to people to apologize, <laughs> um, which is a good thing, I think. It's uh, it's healthy, and uh, you know we're we're all being shaped, uh, and uh, it gives another person an opportunity, perhaps, to exercise grace, right? Yeah. And th- another thing that I've learned, we don't have to go, but allow other people to exercise grace. Yeah. Uh, when you apologize, it's okay if they warmly receive that, right? So, uh, one other element of. Um, forms that uh, I remember you work in uh, prayer school yeah and uh, that was no pun intended formative for you because it's come up a lot it had me uh, investigating a little bit more and uh, looking at uh, early prayers of the church Uh, so I found just treasure troves of databases of these things online but uh, I know it's not just early prayers of the church can you tell us more about your prayer school experience and how you've integrated that into our life yeah, I had a, I mean, it was perfect timing. Kami and I had been in a, a community that was probably going on a journey to believe more of God. And I think that part of the journey was awesome. But I don't think it was a patient journey. And I was in a leadership role. And so I was kind of feeling pressure to believe more of God, but if God didn't show up, I needed to make it happen. Mm. And that's a horrible place to be. And I was feeling a little burnout because trying to substitute yourself for God is an impossible (laughs) task, an arrogant task too. But but my friends, other pastors were hosting a prayer school. Uh, just a pastor I honestly had never heard of before was come into town to do this thing called prayer school, a pastor at some church in Missouri. And so Kami and I went um, just blindly kind of, just I felt a little, I mean, a little leading of the spirit, but we just went and didn't know what to expect. And, and really it's, it was just praying a liturgy. Um, and you kind of like, the, the point is, as you say, praying ancient prayers. There's a lot of scripture that you pray and ancient prayers mm-hmm. that have been in the church for hundreds or thousands of years. Uh, but the point is you pray, you pray better prayers. Um, you pray the prayers of people who know how to get into the presence of God. And you kind of pray your way into the presence of God, and then you sit with Jesus. Uh, and then you pray your way back into being his presence in the world. And I think for me, initially, now prayer school has become a lot more for me as I've done it for years now and really understand the full arc of the liturgy. But the initial thing for me was in the middle, when you sit with Jesus, nothing needs to happen. Mm. 
and coming from a community where I was trying, not like intentionally, but like feeling the pressure to, to show up when God wasn't, to have the freedom to just sit with Jesus and that be enough was so healing for my soul. So, um, so actually, I did email that pastor and said, hey, can I do this at our church? He's like, go for it. You know? <laughs> uh, but again, like I said, everything we do informed is, I, has been handed down to me from right. others. But, but I literally pray that way almost every day for six years now. And I feel like I'm praying the best prayers of my life. So That's fantastic. Uh, wow. Well, thanks for sharing with us about Formed. Uh, I, I hope this little conversation generates some more interest because I know It'll come up again. There will be other opportunities going forward. Yeah. Uh, you're in week two or three. Uh, how many weeks does it go? Does it vary from one form? You know, I will tell you, it has varied. I started with 12 weeks because it's two hours, and I'm like, I'm going to take one day. I want 24 hours. But then I slowly, I think especially because of the pandemic yeah, and the difficulty, yeah. I shrunk it down to 10 hour, ten weeks, and I had shrunk the class. But I'm, I'm at 10 weeks, but I'm back up to two hours, which really ramps up their table time. And I'm already loving that decision. I just, looking at the people in there, there's there's a lot of repeaters, but it's mostly brand new people to form. And like I said, a lot of people who are new to CrossFit in the last year or two, and they're actually really connecting with others, and it's so fun to see. Right, so. right, right. All right. Really good. Well, one other thing we have some time to talk about. Uh, you've done multiple sermon series here at CrossFit. You have the graphic artwork of each sermon series up in your office. It's kind of fun to yeah. go in there and say, oh, my, yeah, I, I remember that from yeah. back when, you know, five, five it, years ago. It's all Alyssa's handiwork. I know, yeah, and she fun. does great. She's yeah. awesome. Uh, but uh, currently you're in a series uh, on the, the law with uh, emphasis being on uh, Deuteronomy. Uh, it's awesome. I'm loving every minute of it, but... Uh, just wondering uh, how you landed on uh, Deuteronomy, you know, where we've been already, where we're going, just if you could put that in a nutshell for us. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was uh, we last year went through the church calendar, which which was, was a fun experience for me because I grew up in a church that followed the church calendar, um, but I never understood how the church calendar was a discipleship mm-hmm. tool. So spending a year in it, to me was really great and now I understand and I think I will respect the church calendar for the rest of my life. It'll be a tool. But because of that, we were in the Gospels every Sunday. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to be in the Old Testament. And honestly, Mark, you're you're a teacher and an educator at heart. Uh, I'm a learner, you know, and I get, and I think I do my best preaching when I'm excited about what I'm (laughs) preaching. And I get excited to learn new things. And so some of it was, I want to do a book I haven't done before. Sure. And I have shared, and I've had several people echo this back to me, but even having gone through seminary, I had a couple classes where we go through the Pentateuch, but whenever you get to Deuteronomy, you're behind schedule. Sure. And so you just fly through the book. And I never just had an intuitive feel. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of books in the Bible I have an intuitive feel for. Deuteronomy was not one of those books. Uh, and so, and it's critical, right? It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the capping off of these first five books that are incredible, but then so much of the books that follow flow out of this Deuteronomic theology 
And then it, it happens to be the book that Jesus quotes the most. Right? So, Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I didn't realize even now, again, getting in Deuteronomy, like these comments in John that I didn't fully get. You know, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, Jesus says, really only in John's gospel. I didn't get that. But now that I'm in Deuteronomy, I'm like, oh. I mean, Jesus is totally playing off Deuteronomy when he says that kind of stuff, yeah. right? Like, it's just all these connections. I mean, the Bible's cool, but, but that's kind of how I landed on Deuteronomy. I knew it was a significant book. I wanted, to, I wanted to learn it. And I also think, I mean, again, part of the gift that I've been given in going to seminary and being a pastor is to have space to really study, reflect, and make connections that not everybody has, not everybody wants, and not everybody mm-hmm. has. But I do think, uh, you know, two of the hardest parts of the biblical narrative that are critical that we understand them, but they're harder to get around are the prophets um, because there's so much historical background that isn't in- immediately accessible when you read those books, and they're poetic, and the... You have to do some cultural work to get there. But the law, I think, is probably the part that people shy away from. Sure thing, yeah. And don't understand as much. And yet it's a gift from God, and it's beautiful. And I wanted to redeem the beauty of it for myself and for our church. Uh, And then I, I had several objectives. I think the other thing is I, you know, I'm deeply trained the seminary I went to, which I'm forever thankful for, I'm deeply trained in trying to understand the cultural and historical context and the authorial intent, which I think is really fun with Deuteronomy and Moses. But I'm also on this journey where I would say my Christology is higher than it's ever been Mm. before. And while I always want to be able to read the books of the Bible through the intent of the author, as a Christian, we get an even greater gift in going back into the Old Testament with Jesus as our guide mm. because it all points to him. Yeah. And I'm also enjoying personally and with our church family helping people see how Jesus keeps making the Old Testament yeah. better and better. So. Bible Project says it every week. They say the Bible is a unified story that points to Jesus or leads to Jesus. Right? Yeah, I love those guys. Yeah, I yeah. love those guys. Yeah, they've been super helpful uh, to me uh, with Deuteronomy because they just came off of that. I've so, used them. <laughs> I've used. I mean, they're, they've been conversation yeah. partners for me for right, sure. Right. So, and uh, I, I, well, and you uh, don't hide that uh, they're an influence for you, and I appreciate that we can share uh, that together too. That's yeah. been a real blessing to me. Jeff, this has been really good. I have 20 more things I'd love to talk to you about, but we are trying to keep these around 30 minutes or so. So I'm going to honor that and ask if you might come back on sometime. Hey, anytime. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much for that great conversation. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, If you'd like to join us for services, those are at 9 a.m. and 1045 on Sundays, and they're streaming online through the church's website, which is crossviewefca.org. Dot org or com? Dot com. <laughs> dot com. <laughs> EFCA.com. Join us at crossviewefca.com.